There are almost 250,000 people in the Charlottesville Metropolitan Statistical Area, and you are among the select few who have opted to illuminate your ears with the sonic version of Charlottesville Community Engagement. This particular day is called May 18th, 2021, and I'm called Sean Tubbs, and my calling is to assemble this information for you as often as I can. On today's show, the Charlottesville City Council gets an update on city finances and how cost overruns for an infamously planned piece of Belmont infrastructure will be bridged. The Commonwealth Transportation Board hears about items in Louisa County and Nelson County, and the Charlottesville Board of Equalization spent all day hearing appeals of property assessments, but not one for the Omni Hotel. In today's reader-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville area tree stewards is getting ready for a series of fall classes for new volunteers. The fall 2021 class will involve a combination of online training sessions and field activities, with a maximum of 32 students to facilitate the best field training possible. Registration opens on June 15th and slots will fill quickly. The 15-week class lasts between August 7th and ends on November 13th with online classes that will precede field activities held each Saturday at various locations in the Charlottesville area. Learn more at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. There are only about six weeks left in the current fiscal year, and there's no change in the projected $8.35 million shortfall between what the city expects to spend and what revenues will come in. Senior budget analyst Ryan Davidson told City Council yesterday that staff don't think it will get worse, and they are no longer considering the worst-case scenario. Based upon the current conditions um, and what we're seeing in terms of revenues, things are trending in a positive direction. And, and so we've removed that further downturn scenario, as it seems very unlikely at this point that we would ever revert back into this worst case scenario. Davidson said sales and lodging revenues are still volatile, but things are trending in the right direction. Receipts collected for January, February, and March look much better compared to prior months. Um, and therefore, based on those new receipts, we increased those projections in our last um, revision. Um, and this past month, our collections, again, looked slightly, they slightly exceeded our projections. How to close the shortfall? Davidson said the city has not yet tapped into the $6.7 million COVID reserve fund it set aside in the current fiscal year. And the shortfall does not include use of surpluses from fiscal year 2019 or department savings in the current year. But there's no rush to balance the books until after the fiscal year has ended. We know those figures around the November, December, January timeframe towards the end of the year. Um, and we're currently working to come up with some estimates, but nothing is can be finalized until later in, in the year. And, and we'll be discussing that with council as we move through the year. After that financial report, the executive director of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority had an update on a program approved by council in fiscal year 2018 to provide additional funding for rental assistance. The program is known as the Charlottesville Supplemental Rental Assistance Program and allows CRHA to issue more vouchers to households who have incomes less than 60% of the area median income. Uh, we currently have 70 families that are enrolled in the program. Two of those families are searching for homes in the city of Charlottesville, uh, and 68 of them are already housed, with 36 of them living in the city 
and 32 living in the county but working in the city. Sales said 58% of the recipients have income below 30% of the AMI. A majority of those families are working. Uh, so they're working, but just not earning enough wages uh, to pay for their housing. There are 122 families on the wait list for the program, which is no longer taking new applications. Sales said no new families were processed in 2020 due to the pandemic. Because many participating families lost income during the shutdown, sales said CRHA has been paying larger amounts to landlords. And there were a lot of uh, increases in what CRJ's obligation was. Sales said one policy consideration going forward is whether there should be a time limit on the assistance to make sure more people can take part in the program. There aren't any guidelines on how long someone can be assisted in the program. Um, but without adding a whole lot of new funding, you're always going to be assisting the same families. Sales said another conversation that needs to happen is related to fair market rents. He said the supplemental assistance program is capped at paying no more than 110% of fair market rent. That really limits where individuals can rent in the city to where they have to go to the county. And normally they are in the same communities. Uh, in the HCV program, we probably have 40 or 50 families in one housing community just because that is uh, typically a low rent community. And it's like that in most of the communities. So we really want to uh, put members, uh, low-income individuals in all sectors of the community. We really need to do some work around uh, the fair market rents. Sales recommended increasing the maximum fair market rent to 125% for properties within the city of Charlottesville and decreasing the amount for Albemarle County to 100%. Later on in the meeting, council adopted a new agreement to govern the program that made those changes. They did not reach conclusion on whether CISRAP funding should be used to help cover the cost of security deposits. A second program for that function was authorized by a previous city council, but has not yet been implemented by city staff. Vice Mayor Cena McGill expressed interest. Yeah, I do think it's really important that we we are looking for security deposit help. I know when I worked at Region 10, that was always probably the hardest thing to try to find was security deposit for people. But the main event at City Council's meeting was direction to proceed with a plan to use millions of dollars of funding from the Virginia Department of Transportation to cover another cost overrun for the long-planned Belmont Bridge replacement. The project was put out for construction bids in February with a $31 million cost estimate. According to the city's urban construction initiative manager, Jeanette Janacek, that wasn't enough money. The lowest responsive, responsible bid can be awarded with existing project funds. However, there's a need for additional funding of this 4.2 million to cover the contingency, construction inspection services, VDOT oversight, as well as utility relocation. VDOT has suggested adding funds from its bridge maintenance account, something referred to as state of good repair. Janacek said possible reasons for why costs came in over the estimate include inflation, increases in material costs, and potential issues related to the pandemic. She said one choice would have been to remove items from the project, such as a pedestrian tunnel on the southern end. 
any of these um, options would result in us having to rebid the project. This adds at least a year's in time, but most importantly, it doesn't fulfill the commitments that we've made to the public as well as the Board of Architectural Review. Janacek said if the appropriation of the VDOT project goes forward in June, construction could begin this summer. Another public meeting will be held when the contractor is hired to explain how traffic will continue to use the bridge during construction. So once they submit their baseline schedule, we'll release that to the public and let people know what to expect during construction. Asked by council if the project costs could increase, Janacek said many of the prices for materials would be locked in as soon as the construction contract begins. City manager Chip Boyles said he thought construction costs would increase as the federal government prepares to make billions of investments in infrastructure projects. That's why he recommended proceeding with the additional money from VDOT rather than changing the project. If this project is delayed, we're already seeing very substantial inflationary projections into the near future. If President Biden's infrastructure package um, that's in Congress is approved, you will see just, you know, multiple fold of capital projects underway. This had to be rebid. I would say that we would end up with less product and at least the same amount, if not more, of the cost. The second reading of the appropriation will be on the consent agenda for Council's June 7th meeting. They'll next meet on May 25th to have a work session on the 7th Street parking garage, followed on May 26th with a joint meeting with the city school board on the reconfiguration of the city's middle schools. Council adjourned their meeting before 8 p.m. last night, something that newcomers to city government should never, ever expect. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and time for another subscriber-supported public service announcement. This spring, the Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership is holding a speaker series to illustrate various topics related to affordability. This time around, the guests discuss the role that transportation costs factor into household budgets. Those guests are Todd Lippman of the Victoria Policy Institute, Stephen Johnson, the planning manager for John and Albemarle Supervisor Diantha McKeel, Chair of the Regional Transit Partnership. The event begins at noon. The Commonwealth Transportation Board met all over the state today in what might be their last all-virtual meeting of the pandemic. Items at the meeting today included a discussion of an economic development project to pay for design of road improvements to support the Shannon Hill Regional Business Park in Louisa County. The $600,000 in funding would come from something called a Major Employment and Investment Grant. Russell Dudley is with VDOT's Local Assistance Division. It is a project that supports a facility that is expected to generate $250 million of capital investment and create more than 400 full-time jobs. The Shannon Hill Regional Business Park is about half a mile from Louisa's border with Goochland County and three-quarters of a mile from I-64. The business park totals um, 700 acres and design plans call for an 8,000 foot uh, of roadway improvements along Route 605. 
with improvements to begin at the I-64 westbound ramp and end at the northern border of the business park. The current funding is to cover some of the cost of design for the project. Dudley said that Louisa County is in negotiations with an undisclosed business to become a major tenant of the park. Allison DeTunk, the Culpeper District representative on the CTB, said she supported the project. I think it's a great it's a great opportunity for Louisa County and the surrounding areas. The CTB also agreed to cancel a funded smart scale project in Nelson County. There had been a plan to create a restricted crossing U-turn or R-cut at the intersection of US 29 and Virginia Route 6 north of Lovingston. Kimberly Pryor is VDOT's Director of Infrastructure Investment. This project was submitted by Nelson County in round three of SmartScale. Uh, the total original project cost was $2.7 million. A separate project to address safety through less expensive means has been installed in the meantime. They installed some traffic actuated flashing beacons. Uh, they improved the pavement markings and also installed some signage improvements. Uh, since completion of that project, there's been a significant um, improvement uh, in the safety issues. There's been a significant decrease in accidents. Um, total crashes and angle crashes have been reduced by about 50%. As a result, staff are recommending not proceeding with the project, and the Nelson Board of Supervisors endorsed the idea in April. The $2.7 million in funding will go back into the pool for other smart-scale projects. Finally today, the Board of Equalization met for their annual meeting to hear appeals of property assessments. Fifteen different requests from property owners went before the BOE today, and before the first item began, board members discussed various items. Members are appointed by the circuit court to serve as independent arbiters of property assessments. As reported in the Daily Progress in April, the Omni Hotel has filed a lawsuit against the city of Charlottesville for the 2020 assessment of $46.5 million for the land and the structure. They have not challenged the 2021 assessment of $34.84 million, according to city assessor Jeffrey Davis. They were comfortable with the value that we assigned this year, so they didn't didn't go to the board. Overall, total property assessments were up by 2.3% in 2021, with residential properties increasing an average of 4.3% and commercial properties decreasing by 0.19%. I think everybody probably was expecting a reduction rather than going the other direction. And it is absolutely crazy this year. I tell you, so far, it's been, it's, you all know, I'm sure you Mm. see it every day. However, Davis said the market could change as conditions change. I'll have more from this meeting in a future installment. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I am your host, Sean Tubbs, for another edition that you have just listened to. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you've learned something. If you have any questions, please do let me know. If you would like to support this program and ensure that it continues on well into 2021 and beyond, do consider some sort of a financial uh, contribution. One way you can do that is through Substack. 
the broadband provider Ting will match whatever you subscribe to, no matter what level, the $5 a month, the 50 a year, or the $200 super extravaganza premium subscription through Substack. Either way, Ting will match it, allowing me to continue to plot uh, and scheme how I'm going to continue to provide this to you as often as I can. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment. In the meantime, please do send this on to somebody else if you have enjoyed it. And uh, have a great rest of the day and uh, or, or the beginning of the day if you're listening to this tomorrow morning. Either way... Either way, thank you very much. Stay safe out there.